This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Mike Shope and the Bulldog. I don't think Michael's ever done drugs. It's Mike Shope. I don't know if anyone's ever offered him any. Let's go over some of the symptoms of marijuana use, shall we? You tell me who this sounds like. It's the Bulldog. Slow moving. Inattentive. Dull. Constantly snacking. Shows a lack of motivation. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog on WGR Sports Radio 550. I feel it too. There is a buzz in the air today. National Pistachio Day. You seem like somebody who would love pistachios. Like that would be just always, you would always have them around. And like maybe five times a week, you crack into them. You're always getting new pistachios. Uh, no, no. Uh, I, 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 I like them. Um, They're too much work. I, um, well, if you get them shelled, then you know that uh. that works. Uh, there is um, occasionally my wife will get them, and if I see them before she's used them for something, like she she'll get them with an eye toward you know. Some something she's making for dinner, pudding at some point, probably not pudding. Mm. I, I should say, definitely not pudding. Only we've ever had pudding. Uh, any kind of pudding. Any kind of pudding. You've never had it. I, I, I mean, in our, I don't think my my wife does not like whip up pudding. Mm. Uh, so, <laughs> but th- there'll be a little little bag of oh, well, pistachios, and I'll snack on them, and then she's like, I was gonna use those for something. Not pudding. And there's, a, yeah, some contention about that. Bread. In the house. Like sort of a, a fancy bread with pistachios. Ma- ma- maybe. What do you even cook with them? What do you make? I, I don't know. Good question. I don't know what she, what she I, I, I don't know. It's one of those things that maybe she like slips it in there and I don't really know that it's there. Oh. She's good at that. I think my kids still don't listen to the show. They've heard it. If I'm there. Smart kids. But they may not know that. My wife's uh, macaroni and cheese is actually made with squash. They may not even know That's that there's good. squash in there. We get a lot of that. We get they a lot of that. They make, may not know. Make like tomato sauce out of like other vegetables, not just tomatoes. Just sort of puree oh. everything up, and like nobody's n- n- none the wiser. 
<laughs> Look what I pulled over on you guys. Don't tell the kids that this is squash. <laughs> they'll never eat it. They like it. They'll never eat it. So I guess T. Higgins is off the table. That one seemed to uh, never really get legs. Well, last year it did. You know what? Yeah, I thought they, they could have traded him last off season before getting to this point. Because what's the end game there? The end game is keep going this year with him on a franchise tag. And what? You're going to sign Chase eventually. Like next off season, I think, is when you, you're going to do that. If I have the timing right on that. Not, not to say they couldn't do it already. I, I don't think. He's had three years in the league, hasn't he? Yeah. Right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he's not. But they're not going to pay both of those guys, I don't think. As much as the cap goes up and you can always find room and whatever, I just can't imagine that this Higgins thing isn't going to just be a one-year, you know, let, let's go for it one more time before the band breaks up, is what I'm guessing Which, there. you know, can you blame them if that's what they're no, planning on? No, I mean, it, 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 I think it's actually respectable. It might not be great asset management, you know, like you, you might rather get something for T. Higgins uh, before now, you know, tra- do like Minnesota did, tra- trade him to a team that's looking for a number one wide receiver, let them sign him to the you know lifetime achievement contract, and you get draft his replacement. Draft his replacement, yeah. Um, it, that might have been a, a smarter way to go, but I can respect them wanting to run it back. I think they lost a year this year with Burrow, so let's try it again. What's different for me is. And you weren't saying it was like a perfect comp, but they have made a Super Bowl here in like, in the last three years and almost made another one. And they never are good. Cincinnati <laughs> has just not had many good teams. So I don't think you can break that up. Like, I, I don't think I would have the, the nerve to do it. He He's really good. He's not Chase. No one says he is. Right. He, he's, he's good. I need kind of a weird... Lost year, the quarterback was hurt, but he was hurt too. Been hurt a lot. Yeah, I just I think it would be very hard because you lose your good uh, your good will <laughs> with with your players, maybe with everybody. If you you have a team that's that close and you break it up like that, I guess you know Diggs is really I don't have to take us there, but because I know the contract stuff and a lot of it isn't maybe even worth talking about moving him but just like think about that how what that would look like right like how would that we don't know the other the other end of this pretend trade what would you probably get for stefan diggs you get a draft pick or something you get younger that's what you'd want to do you're not going to get t higgins you're not going to get a player no who at, so. at that position who sort of ranks near where he does so you you've probably made your team worse at least at first and why would Buffalo or Cincinnati? I think they're the same. The same thing. I mean, the Bengals. You said like they had a bad year, but I when we when we did the power rankings last, I put the Bengals uh, below. It's reverse below the Bills. I think. I think I I wanted to do that. Yeah, I don't remember. because no. because their guys are younger and they've done what the Bills have done even more. So I think they. I mean the divisions, all the the schedule, th- things like that. They go into next season, I think, more promising than the Bills do. Is that a hot take? No, and I, I'm you, I'm distracted. Think I, I don't. I think the Bills have been in the top three the last 
the last few times we've done it. Now, you weren't here on Tuesday. Nate and I did it with Zach uh, this past week. But I think the the time before, the Bills were ahead of uh, below. What, however you do better. They, 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 yeah. They, they were low. I don't remember for sure, but I think I got outvoted. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I didn't know. I, I thought you said we put them there. But, yeah, no, you that, that, that sounds right. How, how controversial is that to say? Not, I don't mean in Buffalo. Just how controversial is that to say? If you think, you think the Bengals are better situated to win it going into next year than the Bills are, a lot, a lot of things will change. Yeah, I'm not sure how well set up they are everywhere else. Um, right. But you know, they, they certainly have got the, those pieces together. They'll, maybe they'll do something. We talked to Joe Goodberry last week. Maybe they'll do something with Mixon this year. His backup was Chase Brown last year, and he looked nice like almost every time he touched the ball. It almost looked like Jalen Warren versus Najee Harris with Pittsburgh to me yep. watching the Bengals last year. Um, when you paid attention to him, again, they weren't, in the, they weren't in contention, so maybe they became an afterthought. But anyway, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a medium hot take. not scorching hot, uh, I guess. But they don't, I think, yet – Really, because they're choosing the path that I would say is like the least resistance, the easiest thing to do is tag Higgins. Um, you know, the trade would be, there'd be upheaval there. Right? You'd be getting different pieces back. You, Tyler Boyd's a free agent too. Like, what's our receiving core? How much is that going to impact Jamar Chase if I don't have, you know, high-end guys around him? Um, but keeping Higgins, I think, sort of keeps that, you know, that structure in place. Like, so I, I certainly feel good about their skills. Even losing Boyd. Uh, they did win nine games. Burrow got hurt week 11, and he was hurt to start. Right. Yeah, he was messed up to begin with. Got right. They hammered San Francisco in San Francisco. And then a couple of weeks later, maybe, is when Burrow got hurt for good. Three. They, they beat the Bills after that okay. and lost to Houston. He, that was a, a great game that Houston shocked them in on the road. And then the, the injury in Baltimore. We are going to take an early timeout here for us and try to get lucky with Sean McDermott's timing. It's a press conference expected later this hour, maybe even in a couple of minutes. So we'll see uh, what happens. Sal Capaccio will join us to reflect on it once it's over. That's the best time to reflect after something's happened. That's what Sal, Sal brought that up. That's how, he, I, that's how he wanted that's it. That's how I like to do it, too. Yeah. Mike Shope and the Bulldog here. Sean McDermott coming up. This is WGR. I just decided that I was not going to do my column anymore, Football Morning in America. I've been doing it online now for 27 years, and I just felt like it was probably time to step away from that. And quite honestly, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I don't have any plans. Nobody is talking to me about a job. I mean, at some point, I'll think about it, but I think I'm just going to get bored for a little while. Peter King former regular guest of ours he would have been on weekly during the season before i got here oh yeah he he goes back with with chuck quite a, quite a while uh, okay uh, that was a staple and then we kept it for I don't know when that went away, but when when he ascended to to NBC TV status, I think um, eventually we got uh, we got left behind. But he was with us for a few years. We did remember the event we did yes. here in town. He came in and we sold tickets, and that was uh, we did that with John Clayton once too. I remember um, that's where where Peter made the, the he, Winnipeg <laughs> Winni- Winni- Winnipeg. Uh, Do you remember why? I don't. What was the point? 
I I I don't. I th- he, he was tell he was beginning his commentary talking just I mean completely very flattering to us way, way more than was called for. Uh but remember how he said I want to tell you a few words about Shope and the dog like this. <laughs> He's got a room of 100 people or more, I don't know. And like oh my god. But is it some you know, some maybe he was in Winnipeg or I don't something like that. I don't something remember like why it came up. Yeah. Something like that. Well, I anyway, have... an all-time great. I mean, yeah. just a, a, a giant in our business. Um, and, I mean, that that has been – I'll find something else to read on Monday mornings. But that <laughs> that has uh, been a go-to for maybe the entirety of his run. Uh, you know, after a football weekend, uh, checking out what he has. I mean, it's just a, a tomb every week. It was really, really well done. And his access was, you know, no one had better access than him. So uh, really a lot, a lot of great writing over the years. I also had a meal with him in San Diego. All right. When I went to the Super Bowl that year, I think it was in San Diego or New Orleans, one of those. It's not like I'm just name dropping and stuff, but Steve Tasker and I were together. And he knew Peter. And Peter, I think, was a strong advocate of Tasker for the Hall of Fame. And that's most of what we talked about. Not Steve's candidacy, but other people, like who would get in. And mm-hmm. I, I mostly just listened because I, I was just meeting him. And like, who am I, right? So um, that's a fond memory, too. A couple other famous people came over, recognized him, just sitting in this, like, this cafeteria or something. Uh, pretty good. Coming up from Indianapolis, Sean McDermott. We don't know when, right? You guys didn't talk and not tell me. We don't know when. <laughs> no, we don't know. We don't I was know out when. of the room for Some, a few minutes. Sometime soon, we think. Is there anything we're listening for? Because, you know, you, you don't have to hear me tell you why I'm asking. We've gone back a, a bunch of times to his press conference after the season was over. And I'm just not putting anything into it. I mean, throw to win. I'm just not putting anything into it. And you've challenged me on that because, well, didn't they kind of do that? And then they stopped, you know. That's really maybe the most interesting thing about next year right now is what kind of philosophy they they want to have. And you and I disagree on what we think it is. So, I don't know. Like, it'd be nice if you knew he was telling you for real at these things, but you don't. Right. And so is he saying it because I, I said this. He knows it's what you want to hear after the season's over because they went so hard into the running game and lost again. And um, you, you would want to question that. And I guess we'll just find out eventually in time, not today, but right. in, in the fall, uh, yeah, that's what they right. want or, to be. Or like we said during the first hour of the show today, it's possible that what, what they do, how they handle free agency and, and maybe even the draft – lends itself some clue. Like if they if they went for a big name running back to compliment James Cook, then I think that would be a pretty solid clue. Uh, you know, now the inverse of that is not absolutely, you know, irrefutably true. Uh I mean, none of this is irrefutably true. It's my opinion. But like if they 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 could still be run heavy, they were run heavy with Latavius Murray and Ty Johnson uh complimenting James Cook. So they could still do that if they want to, but I feel like the body of work that they have put out going back to Brian Dayball right through Dorsey and into Joe Brady is more, I think it's more encouraging that, and and it makes me want to trust what they said about passing to win and explosive plays and getting more help for digs. 
it leans into the notion that they realized as constituted last year, they were going to have a hard time throwing it as much as they had been throwing it previously. So they found a different way to do it. I think that can be to their credit because it, I mean, they got six, they got good results out of it. They just, you know, stopped running the ball in the second half against Kansas city for some reason, after doing it extremely well, so much so that at halftime of that game coming into the third quarter, Jim Nass asked Tony Romo, what are, what are your thoughts on the game? Who are you, what, you know, what are you most worried about? I was like, I'm worried about Kansas city stopping the run. They mm-hmm. can't stop the run. And then it just kind of went away. It was weird. Anyway, I, I think that, you know, we'll see how, how they accomplish this because they have work to do. If they want to reestablish Diggs as a number one, and part of the reason that they had to vary from their style late this year was they just didn't have the personnel to play the passing game that they wanted to, then they've got to find the pieces to make that work. And there's no guarantee that that's all going to work. But that is that's why I'm betting on them choosing a receiver first in the draft and also signing a moderate-priced free agent to replace Davis. Because there's no way this team, to me, is going to go into the 2024 season with a rookie replacing Gabe Davis. Like Eventually, especially if you draft him in the first round, you're going to want that to happen. And there's going to be an expectation, certainly from the fan base and probably internally as well, that that will happen. But I don't think you plan on it happening September, whatever, whatever the first Sunday is in the, you know, where the season will be, like September 11th or 12th or whatever the date's going to be, that you're going to want Kendrick Bourne or somebody who's played in the league to be in that spot and eventually get unseated, I think, by this rookie. It, it's a leap year, by the way, so it'll be one day later than you thought. Oh, okay. Good. Good to know. You, like, you excited for that? Leap day? Leap day fever? Do you have it? No, nah, uh, I can't say as I do. Thursday. Yeah. Do we have to come in? Is it a day like does it count? Is it is it a day where you come to work? I think it's a normal, leap day. It's a normal. It's a normal day. I don't remember what I did in previous leap day uh, years. I don't either. Or leap years. I've not really short. kept not really kept track of it. The Bills ran the ball thirty nine times in the playoff loss. Thirty nine. Allen is a big chunk of that, of course, but still. Yeah, he ran it like fifteen times, didn't he? It really 12, 12, 15, yeah. maybe. It really like from. From the big picture standpoint, this is depressing and not original. Um, what a what a setup! <laughs> it's the same. How do you beat the Chiefs? Business, and you had them at home and lost. And like they're so the big picture result is the same thing, where you just missed an op- another opportunity. But in in like from a micro analysis of it. They really did play different and still got beat. And I think, you know, the the first explanation for that is their injuries, right? On defense, they had, you know, all this ball control and everything that they did offensively in that game. Kansas City converted one third down in that game. Well, they didn't have a lot of third downs is one part of that. But they were getting nine yards of play or something. So they weren't in third downs very often. They were just able to move the ball so easily. And only so much of that can be hung on the Bernard injury, you know, up front. That's the most right. That's also yeah. All the talk about you know we didn't have Daquan Jones against the Bengals in the twenty two playoffs. That kind of go and 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 even to an extent, I mean, it doesn't wash away the great year that Ed Oliver had. Uh, He had really had a, a really great year. 
It got highlighted numerous times, big contract extension in the offseason. Not everyone, you know, that wasn't met with universal praise. And he had what I think was objectively his best year, but he was non-existent in the playoff game. He and Jones both just got handled. What What is familiar, what, what that reminds me of, is the AFC Championship loss to the Chiefs. Wasn't that also like... Where was the pressure? Where was and they drafted Rousseau and Basham after that. Right. But like, man, that, that's three years earlier. And you still ended up here it is, and the same sort of storyline, at least that one, um, repeated itself. So and when I, I I just came off vacation. I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about that game or like just work at all. But this this morning I did. And it I've said this on the air. It's been easier, which isn't always or necessarily better, to for for me in my mind, to talk about them off of the other losses, because it might be, you know, it, one seemed like a fluke. Um, they were just on the way up, and then the Bengals loss happens. Like, okay, well, this is bad. Also, and it was at home, and it was not against the Chiefs, and then this one. And I'm sort of like, in my mind, kind of tapped out on theories or strategies. Mm-hmm. or You can only just say, well, let's try again. <laughs> and, you know, do the best you can. Try again. See what happens. And that's not uh, fulfilling in any way. Should we break again? This is taking me back to when he was on our show. Yes. <laughs> waiting for uh, McDermott. Waiting for Sean McDermott. <laughs> Mike Schoep and the Bulldog will talk to Sal Capaccio from the Combine as well today. This is WGR. It's Sal Capaccio. Sal made it to Indianapolis. We'll talk to him here and have Sean McDermott later. We don't know how much later. That's how that goes sometimes. Sal joins us on the West Her Hotline. Sal, are you a mega combine fan? Ooh, um, boy, that's a good question. No, I wouldn't say I'm a mega combine fan. I get juiced up when I'm here, though. Once I get here, I'm like, yeah, this is mm-hmm. cool, right? Like, I I think there's a lot going on. It's kind of ha- how you have to position yourself on what you're trying to accomplish. So I, I think I've actually been soured or at least don't feel as strongly about that with the actual prospect part as I used to. That stuff's on TV. A lot of guys don't participate anymore. There's some, you know, uh, who those kinds of things. Like, there's so many different questions. I do really enjoy, though, the head coaches and general managers, and they're going to be talking here over the next two days. And then, of course, the prospects, as they start to show up, you can hear, you know, them. But I think the coaches and GM part, for me, is where I really like it. Yeah, and you've got, you know, it's it's scuttlebutt season, too, right? I mean, um, yeah, so right. you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of media converging there. And so there's, there's always stories that that can pop up there, not necessarily of great interest to one fan base or the other, but when you got the convergence of all that, all that media, all that football high level executive stuff, you're just, you're going to get content. It's it's another way the league has made a whole week out of Nothing. you know guys running forty times and lifting some weights. I know. Yep. 
It, it is. In fact, I would say it this way. It's a great point, Bulldog. That's the part I love the most, you know, just being a being around everybody in the industry and different markets yeah. and people you see throughout the year at different times you haven't seen in a couple of years, all the national people. This is the one place everybody converges. Of all the different events, I mean, even the Super Bowl, not necessarily isn't, right? You, you're going to get, but if you're a, any market, everybody's here because your coach is here. Your GM is here. It's not like playing in the Super Bowl where it's just two teams. And I'm standing on the main floor. I tweeted a video out earlier. People can look at it. I got PFT Live right here in front of me. And then I got CBS Sports, Sirius XM. Everybody's got a, uh, a spot here. But all the <laughs> local markets, Radio Row, that's where Sean McDermott is you know, right now kind of talking with some people. And then we're going to get him over here at the podium in a little while. So for sure – I would, I would say it this way to anybody. Whatever industry you're in, if you've ever been to the main convention for that industry, that's what this is, the Combine. Right. It's pretty interesting. There's been some news. I think a, a couple of coaches, one of them escapes me, but Robert Salah is one who's I, – I saw headlines yesterday like he doesn't think it's worth his time, so he doesn't go. Um, and <laughs> and may, I don't know, if, maybe Kyle Shanahan. There's a, a, another you know big name – whatever. They're all big name coaches. They're NFL coaches. Uh, only 32 of those jobs. I just think that's pretty interesting. Like, I, I, I on one hand, I, I respect, like, that's not my my purview, per se, right? I'm the head coach. I, I don't, you know, let the scouts do their thing. But it's still an opportunity to gather information to me. Like, I don't know why you would skip it. Um, but Salah, I guess, has his reasons. Is he skipping altogether or just not speaking? Oh, I, I thought I heard he, he didn't think going was worth he- his time. It may be that that may be the case. It very well may be because I will tell you, every organization is different. Some organizations, what's the head coach got to do with this? We're picking the players, not him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. They may feel that way for sure. I would also tell you, though, it is optional for head coaches to I don't talk. Want GMs to speak. It might be for all of them. And <clears throat> they may feel, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm not going to talk. Why would I talk? I'm not going to give anything away. I think what it comes down to is just a healthy respect for, you know, what you're doing, the people covering you. And, you know, trying to you know, lay the groundwork for your team. And I think that's what it is. This is a little bit of a give and take. I think pretty much, you know, 32 coaches, maybe not all 32, but most of them would say, yeah, I don't need to go up there in a podium for 15 minutes. But they do it because it's part of the job. That's what they signed up for. They're getting paid a lot of money. And it's a chance to kind of, you know, reconnect, to kind of reset expectations right. for their team and things like that. So I, I, I remember what Mike Tomlin said a few years ago. I always respected Mike Tomlin for this. And I told him this at the owners' meetings when I met him a couple years ago. There was a... We used to have, you guys remember on media day on Wednesdays, we used to have a conference call with the opposing coach every mm-hmm. week, right? That's gone now because it's optional. And no opposing coach really does it, except for a few. Mike Tomlin is one. He still does a conference call with the opposing media. And he was asked, why do you still do that? And his answer was great. He said, because, because we're all in this ecosystem together. Like, I can't. I have respect for these people covering my team, so I would hope that the opposing coach would, and I'm going to have respect for the opposing media. That's the way it works. That's what we do here. We're all in this thing together. And I just love that answer, and to me, that's what this is about as well. I like that too. I didn't realize that those were not a regular thing anymore. I guess if I think about it now, we would often play – Bill Belichick reading the Bills roster, right, from those conference calls, <laughs> uh, how everybody's so good. Right. But I guess I didn't realize that those were not uh, Specifically always... citing how good Josh Reed is Josh three Reed. years after yes. he was no longer on the that team. The one, yeah. right? That was the one. <laughs> so what in particular, maybe what you're planning on asking McDermott or what you think we'll get from today, I think the point you made about how it's a national media contingent as well as local, you know, will shape that a little bit. But is there anything you're you know, interested in from this in particular? 
there is for me particularly, and I don't know if I'm more on this than anybody else because I think what's going to happen with Sean is you're going to ask they're going to ask a lot of questions about the roster. For me, that's more for Brandon Sparrow, salary cap roster. Even though Sean will have a say. I'm really interested in his role in the competition committee and what he feels about some of these things. He's a new member. That's a very, very prestigious thing to be named to the NFL's competition committee by the commissioner, Roger Goodell. There are only a select few head coaches. Mike Tomlin's one of them. Now Sean and Sean McVay are on this. Bill Belichick was on it, but you can't be on it if you're not a head coach, a GM, or an executive on a team, I don't think. I think anybody on the committee is, so maybe that, you know, the rule not necessarily, but... Um, I, I'm, I'm interested in maybe some of his thoughts on these rules, not necessarily that you're going to get exactly, he may say like, Hey, we're working through that. I got a lot of thoughts. I want to, you know, dive into mm-hmm. the data with them. That's something that I'm interested in for him, from him. Um, and then I think just the overall, Hey, it's been, you know, seven years, the team hasn't achieved their ultimate goal. Kind of how do you continue to run it back in your thought process? But I think those are questions that we ask a lot and we get a lot or, you know, throughout the, the offseason, they kind of come up. But I am interested in the competition committee stuff with him today. Yeah, I think that the, and the kickoff seems to be one of the, mm-hmm. at least as I'm scrolling through Twitter as we're talking here, um, there's a pro football talk story here about Troy Vincent uh, saying, no question, there'll be a proposal to change kickoff rules. Now, that's not necessarily big news uh, that's been expected, but whether or not something goes through uh, is another matter, right? There's been talk about this hybrid yeah. what what the UFL is using which was the old XFL uh, rule where the teams are lined up sort of 5 yards or 10 yards apart no one can move until the ball is in the hands of the return man and then you play i think it's like the 35 and the 30 you line up on the the, the receiving teams 35 yeah. and 30 you wait there the ball's in the air and gets caught and then you can engage how do they inform all the other players on the field that the ball was caught is it like a sound that gets made, or I don't, you have to turn I, around and look? I, I've not seen it in practice, so I don't know. Do you, can you bobble it, Sal, so you sort of <laughs> deke the other team? I, these are all things that they'll discuss, but let's remember, and so everybody's clear on This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This, 
this is where they'll start to get the groundwork laid for those proposals. The proposals won't be made for another month when we go to the owners' meetings in Orlando this year. So they're not going to have – there may be discussions and people talking about it, but born out of that will be those proposals that right. go aboard. And, you know, these are just, hey, let's throw some ideas around, especially for the new guys in the competition committee, to kind of gather some, gather some data, go back and research it, and then – You'll never know, you know, what anybody comes up with or what they feel about it come a month from now when they meet. But, yeah, this is where you're going to get a lot of that stuff. And I know Judy Batista has been, you know, talking and tweeting a lot about that, which is great. She's on top of things, you know, when it comes to the NFL rules proposals and the kickoffs and Troy Vincent, what he's saying. And a lot of that stuff's going to come out of it from today where we'll get more of a groundwork for next month. Only eight people are on this committee, including McDermott, who was new there mm-hmm. this year. Is it just forever? Or like, so Belichick leaves because he's not a head coach and that opens up a spot? Pretty much. I mean, look, I, I, I don't know if, um, you know, I'm sure if you decided you didn't want to be on it, if Mike Tomlin said, I don't want to be on it anymore, he's not going to be on it, right? But, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if like the commissioner says, I want to remove you because I didn't like your Is ideas. it like being a Supreme Court judge? Yeah, like you're just like <laughs> yes. a lifetime appointee. I don't know how that works either. Basically, and then, and then there's also a theory of, and, I, I mean, Tim Graham wrote an article today. He had to sit down with uh, McDermott and in there actually wrote how, well, these are, like, jobs that, like, the commissioner probably wouldn't appoint you unless he felt you were pretty secure in your position. So you'd have to change people every year. And I'm not sure that eight is the final number. I'm looking at Wikipedia that has no. that. But I'm looking at another Sorry. article from years ago where they had 11, and it mm-hmm. was um, some of the same people and some not. Stephen Jones, Dallas. Uh, Rich McKay, you might have mentioned him. Sean McVay. Well, Rich McKay, I believe, is the chairman of the competition committee. He kind of yes. runs it. You know, and um, yeah, I think it's been as many as 12. It's usually 8 to 10, I think, is what the usual number is. Extra money? Do you get extra money for being on <laughs> I don't know. Does Ooh. it pay anything? That's a good question. More too. endorsements. You don't have to ask Sean McDermott that in front of everybody. Yeah, don't so. ask him about that. Uh, so, okay. all right, well, appreciating that you're interested in his role there, um, I'm really curious to see, Sal, because Mike and I have, have kind of, we've, we've kicked this around quite a bit, and I'm sure we'll do much more of it in the coming couple of months here before the draft, because uh, we, we kind of disagree on you know, how seriously to take the way Bean and McDermott both spoke after the season. Uh, you know the notable highlights. This won't surprise you that this is what 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 is you know in contention here. Um, pass to win, pass first, learning from Andy Reid, explosive plays. Diggs is still a number one receiver. We need to get more help for him. All that sort of stuff. Like I, I'm I'm believing that. I mean I know how they played down the stretch, and I feel like the way they're talking is you know, maybe some indication of them letting you know that they had to play that way. I'm not going to say this because it would embarrass maybe certain position groups on their team, but that they maybe want to get back to playing the way they played before the last six weeks or so of the season when Joe Brady took over. So I'm kind of curious to hear if both men, McDermott and Bean, McDermott today, Bean tomorrow, they sort of double down on that, if they run away from that, like how how do they handle that? That's a good question, and I I am pretty you know much in the corner of they really want to attack wide receiver explosive players however that manifests itself right Sean McDermott you mentioned the words player acquisition and again I remind everybody there's three ways to acquire players you can draft them you can trade for them you can sign them doesn't mean you have to draft them 
because I think with that comes risk. You know, these young players, they did, Brandon Bean did trade for Stefan Diggs a few years ago. Let's remember that. The year before that, he signed John Brown and Cole Beasley to help his young quarterback. So I think that that is the mindset they have. I also would say, though, that Sean McDermott probably feels very comfortable in how they did play the last, you know, five games, six games, and were able to run the ball and do, do all those things. But, you know, he also knows that he has to be able to, and you have to be able to score by throwing the ball and being explosive. I think what's happened here for the Bills, see, I think these comments are more reflective of the general, not game by game, but overall. And overall, guys, you look back, like the Bills, it was a grind for them to drive down the field. Teams yeah. said, you're not going to go over top of us. We're going to force you underneath. And they did, and that's what caused all those mistakes that cost them games in the middle of the year. It was just they would drive, 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 bam, mistake happens. And I think they really feel like, hey, the, the less chance we have of that, we have this quarterback to be able to get the ball down the field quicker and easier. Let's do that to minimize those chances for mistakes. Yeah, I, I, now I remember you're jogging my memory. Uh, I think it was McDermott citing the data on explosive plays, like the drives yep. that end in touchdowns, the percentage of those that include a 20-plus yard play, which I think is the threshold that, yep. that he was using for explosive plays. I think plays. he's coming over here now, guys. Okay. I think Sean McDermott's coming over. So let me um, – I'm just going to step away while I hook up and see okay. if – I don't know if he's going to be right now, but he's talking with some people, and then we're going to have him. All right. Sounds good. Looking up, I'm stuck on that discovery. Maybe you knew the number, but that the Bills ran 39 times in the Chief loss. The year before when they lost the Bengals, it was 19. <laughs> just there, there would have been, for a combination of reasons, probably. I mean, you can you say personnel, but also successful in their previous games. They won a string of games in a row. That um, that was a real shift. I mean, mm-hmm. late in the season, and here is the playoff game where this is, you, have, you have a third chance. You've beaten them the three times in the regular season, but you have a third chance to knock them out in the playoffs. And that was the thing that was really different. If I'm taking liberties because Allen's runs were not all like designed, you know, runs, but right. but Cook got the ball so often, we we had seen them become that team, and then again, it just wasn't wasn't enough there. So, I mean, you could take anything away from that. Didn't work, or need to do need to do more of it. Whatever you want to take away from that, you can. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's McDermott. Press conference of the combine, 2024. Time's yours. We'll talk about it. Uh, we'll make that decision when we need to. Right now, we're just one step at a time. Well, you know, number one, I would say is I've had a chance to be around Bobby for a number of years and. And that interview has taken place over a number of years, not just not just one uh, sit down. So, um, you know, Bobby's always been a, a highly energetic young coach. Um, comes from a coaching family and a, and a coaching background, and um, you know, just always impressed with Bobby's curiosity about the game, uh, offensively, defensively as well, obviously. And then um, he's got a vision for what. Uh, and how he sees the defense, not only now, but also also moving forward. Well, yeah, anytime you can, I mean, continuity is, is certainly important, but, there, but there's some, 
some good things that come with some newness as well, to your point, of some new ideas, some, hey, you know, look, look at what we've done. It has, been, it has been good. Can it be better, right? And so you always want to go into, the, into those meetings with an open mind and, and a growth mindset of, hey, you know, you've got an outside person's perspective at least a little bit on, hey, what, what else is going on out there that you may know of, some of which um, some of the new coaches are from college as well, so that will off, offer another dimension to us. Me specifically, well, you can always you can always improve. I think that's where you start. You know, you you start with yourself and say, hey, what could I have done better? And um, you know, I, I thought defensively we performed uh, well overall through managing some through injuries. Um, um, but so you're always trying to gain six inches on every play to make sure, hey, how could I have gotten us a little bit closer to the ball, a little bit closer to the play? So, um, you know, I'm very confident myself as a play caller, very confident myself as a defensive coach, uh, to your question. And um, so I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes with Bobby and I tied at the hip here. Sean, the competition committee, how did that come about? You know, why did you decide uh, how it came about is a better question for the league. I'm not really sure how that gets kind of that soup gets uh, gets put together every year. But uh, I got received a call from Troy Vincent um, a few weeks ago, and um, it was actually a, a text the night before that uh, that I saw and a little bit of me. My heart started going a little bit because I'm like, hey, what what you know what didn't we do the right uh, do right? But um, the next morning, then we got on the phone, and and then he offered the. Uh, <clears throat> The invitation on joining the committee, and I was honored, number one, and and uh, humbled by it. And um, I just took a minute or two to ask, hey, what does it entail? Because I'm sensitive to spending as much time as I can with our team and and the things that revolve around our organization. And uh, we went through that for uh, a few minutes, like I mentioned, and and then I decided to uh, uh, to uh, to accept the invitation. So I'm honored, like I said, and. Received a, a great test, te- text, excuse me, from Bill Polian a few days ago, and um, I mean, Bill is Bill is Bill. He's a legend, right? And and so he served on the committee years ago, and uh, the words he used with me were be uh, that he felt like were important years ago. I believe are important and make a lot of sense. And and he said, be a guardian of the game, and um, I think that's that's important, right? It, it it's. It's easy for one to go into these meetings and say, well, this is what's important for the Buffalo Bills or this is what's important for my team, if you're, if you're Mike Tomlin or, or whoever else is in there. Um, but that's not the job. The job description is to do what's best for the overall league and growing the game and growing it the right way. Uh, it was good. Uh, it was uh, about seven hours of, of meetings. Uh, yesterday, this uh, about five hours probably, and then we had a uh, – our first set of meetings, I think it was about a week or two ago. So uh, it's been very interesting, uh, very educational at the same time, and getting a chance just to be around the different parties that come in there, the different groups, uh, whether it be uh, health and safety or, or officiating or what have you. Uh, I'm learning the cadence, right? Uh, learning the cadence, learn, learn, learning where I fit in and, and – uh, and when to speak and, and when to listen. And so I think that's just part of the first, kind of the rookie campaign at this point. Sean, Mike, has Mike Ide uh, told you what his plans are for playing? Uh, no. But no. Uh, if he does decide to play, how much of a priority is it to make sure he 
Well, Mike, uh, I think the, just say the word Mike around Buffalo and, and people smile, right? He's had a, uh, a huge impact on our organization, a huge impact on the community. Um, he's a class act around not only Buffalo, but the NFL. Um, I can't say enough good things about Mike Hyde. Yeah, we haven't visited that specific topic to this point. Uh, my stance on the push play is um, that uh, whatever the league decides is the best thing, um, that's what we'll do. So I've just been one over the years, not just because I'm on the committee now, but I'll give, I'll voice my my opinion on it and what I feel like is best for the game, and then and then we adjust as as needed. Yeah, both uh, both doing well, uh, both working extremely hard, um, and um, I mean I see those guys almost every day. Um, sometimes more than others, just based on their rehab schedule or their doctor's appointments. Um, sometimes they fly out for a doctor's appointment elsewhere, but um, but those two have both been working really hard. Uh, when I left, Trey was was Matt wasn't at the current time, but I've been in and out obviously so. No, I, I don't. I don't. Um, so just it's more of like we're, we're in the cadence right now, myself and Nate with, as well as Brandon with, um, hey, check in one week, you know, one week, get a new, a new update the next week and, and how things are going, how they're both trending or, or any player for that matter that's, that's had off-season surgery or, or what have you. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's high level competition, right? It's high level football, and and um, I think that's exciting for for the NFL. It's exciting for fans. Um, you know, we've been able to to win it the last four seasons, and I think that says a lot as well. Um, this season came down to the last game, which was uh, I think a great game to watch if you were a fan um, from an exciting standpoint. And and so um, yeah, the league continues to to evolve and grow the AFC East, the AFC, the AFC overall. We know what Kansas City has done. We know what Cincinnati and some of the other teams are capable of doing as well. So, um, again, extremely proud of what we've been able to accomplish to this point with more work to be done. You know, it's like it's like anything else. When you take over um, and you take over on a was it seven eight game ba you know number number count or game count whatever it was you're able to do some things but you're not really able to do everything you want to do and so I think you probably saw some of what Joe wants to do but not all of it naturally and and so we were able to add a, an offensive staff member with uh, with Ronald Curry there that Joe has a history with as well so that that comfort level was important for Joe and for us moving forward here and and so I'm excited about that and and um, excited to see also um, some of the evolution of our offense uh, this offseason, to your point. And, um, you know, not, too, not also, though, getting too far away from what's, what's been good for us and what's been good for Josh. When you were playing at Mary I was pretty aware of, of, of RC. Um, I mean, that's, all, that's a lot of what you heard about, right, was... And, and you hear and you hear about a lot of the the talent that's over in that Tidewater Chesapeake area, and 
and he was he was certainly a big name. Um, my my roommate um, was from that area as well and played at Deep Creek, which is which is near Hampton. Did you watch the Super Bowl? And what was your takeaway after you saw Patrick? <clears throat> um, yeah, I did watch the Super Bowl. Um, as hard as it is to to watch it, I think it is it's a necessary evil um, because you can learn from it and. Um, um, listen, as much as you want, you know, we want to be there, I want to be there, our fans want us to be there. Um, you know, you have to respect what, what they've been able to accomplish and how they've been able to do it. Um, high level of play, high level of leadership, high level of execution. What did you learn from that? <laughs> uh, I don't think you can boil it down to just one word or one sentence, um, but just what I shared just with you with the, with the the execution, the level of play, the level of um, just competitiveness overall, the level of leadership. Um, uh, I've been mostly impressed with those three areas. When Patrick Mahomes gets the ball in overtime, you go, see, see how this plays. Well, I mean, yeah. I think everyone around the league now knows that, right? Uh, we've experienced that. Um, we've also been on the winning side of that, too. Um, so, He's, he's as tough as there is out there, um, whether it is overtime or the start of the game. He's, he's as good as there is, and that's, that's why he's winning the Super Bowls he has. Sean, at the end of the year, you and Brandon will talk about explosive plays. I know you talked about some data that suggests explosive plays on drives, player acquisition. Now the evaluation process is being ongoing. Are you still in the mindset that that's an area you'd like to kind of focus on and improve at least? Offensively with explosive yes, plays? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you've got to be able to get the ball either thrown down the field or you've got to be able to complete it short and then have it run down the field, whether it's via rack or, or throwing the ball down the field and, and completing it on deeper, on deeper passes. So, you know, the, the game's changing a little bit too, though, with defenses going to more split safety looks and more zone versus man. And so it's kind of forcing quarterbacks or offenses to be a little bit more patient at times. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, so the value of of rack is important. Then, right? If you're gonna sh if you're gonna throw it short, you better be able to take it from five to fifteen or to fifty. Um, and I think that's an important piece as well. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. 
Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I feel like overall, you know, playing the safety position is different than playing any other position on the field. Um, not only do you have to be able to play the position, but you've got to be able to um, lead and communicate back there and be able to see the game big picture and then be able to cut it down to a smaller picture. And that doesn't always occur at all those other positions on defense. So um, it's uh, for us, you know, it's a position I've played and, and have experienced coaching. And I think um, that's the value of one of the values of Bobby as well. He's, he's coached it at a high level. And, and so being around the great safeties we've been fortunate to be around as coaches, Micah, Jordan, Brian Dawkins, um, over the years, Quentin Michael, Michael Lewis, I mean, the list goes on and on, right? Kurt Coleman, I mean, I'm going to leave some out that I'll probably get a text that I didn't mention here. But um, it just you're fortunate when you're a coach and being able to coach those players because you learn things from them as well that you carry forward in your career. Well, number one, you've got to be able to think on your feet. You don't have the ability to sit at home and, hey, rewind that play and, uh, and then make a call, right? So you've got to be able to quickly process down and distance, personnel, situation in the game, what has happened before that play, what could happen after that, what you're setting up perhaps. So there's a lot of things that go into it. There's, listen, there's a lot of position coaches that have not um, gone on to become great coordinators because of the inability to process all that information uh, at a moment's notice. So it's an acquired trait, or excuse me, it's either have it or you can acquire a little bit of it. Um, but I think Bobby's got it, but it remains to be seen um, to some extent as well. It's a projection on my part. But I love the fact that Bobby has, um, has the ability to see the game in two dimensions, right, two and three dimensions, because that's an important piece of this. He's coached two levels of the defense. The only one he hasn't coached is the defensive line. And, but yet when you work with the linebacker position, you're working in some ways with the defensive line with run fits and, and stunt, working off of stunts and games uh, up front. So um, I think Bobby's done a good job of that. And I'm, I'm excited to watch him grow into this coordinator role as well. Sports Radio 550 WGR Buffalo and WKSE HD2 Niagara Falls Buffalo 98.5 FM. Always live on the free Odyssey app. You know, um, like Micah, uh, Jordan has been um, just instrumental in our success and, and the growth of our organization, our team, our defense. Um, can't say enough good about Jordan, just like Micah. Um, and usually when I say one, the other one comes to mind as well. And so um, I think Jordan, for us, has been a player, uh, among other things, that probably to me that stand out. It, his, his toughness, his mental and physical toughness is what, to me, rises to the surface when he's out there for us versus when, when, when he's not in terms of the toughness of our overall defense. Um, I think Jordan does a great job of, of driving that. I know it benefited your team in the playoff game, but do you think the touchback rule was too punitive, fumble through the end zone, too punitive to an offense? There's been a lot of talk about that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm on the committee now, so I can't really say. <laughs> no, it's, uh, 
it certainly it certainly uh, benefited us in that situation. But it is something that you try and teach and you try and coach it as well. Hey, if you're going to reach, you're only reaching on fourth down, right? And so I'm not saying that suggesting that that's easy, uh, but that's the coaching point uh, for our players. And um, and so you know, again, we'll we'll do what's best for the game, and and uh, we'll see how all that works itself out. Yeah, that's important. Um, you know, these these new ideas, these fresh ideas, and kind of a new set of eyes, a little bit at least from a different angle. I think that's important, but also um, trying to develop them, um, sharing some things that um, some some mistakes that I've made over the years as a coordinator, and and uh, some areas that I think are important to developing as a coordinator. So it's all part of developing staff and developing, in this case, uh, our play callers. Yeah, that will. It'll be interesting. Um, they're both fiery guys, which I love. I, I love that um, about them because I think what happens is when you're a certain way, that personality bleeds into your unit, right? That you're coaching, uh, or your position that you're coaching. And so, I want our players to have that fire. I want our players to have that person, that type of personality, that energy. Daily and Joe has that. I mean, right when Joe took over, it was like he was in my office, bang, he was out and he was going to work. And and Bobby's the same. You've been in these meetings all these years with prospects this week in the combine. Is there anything that you take specifically, maybe even as recently as Dalton and Osiris, two guys that came in and had a big role for you early on, from those interviews this week that can kind of project somebody that can come in and help you right away? Well, I think as a scouting staff, and, and Brandon does a good job, like, but even for me as a coach, right, you, you try and learn from your successes, right? Dalton in this case, Saibo, uh, um, and you say, hey, what was it about them, right, and their DNA that allowed them to come in and play and play early, but also play well? And then you try and, 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 and not, you know, no two people are exactly alike, but you try and use some of those traits and say, hey, this is what we need going forward, right? Um, because it is important. I mean, it's a, it's a young man's game right now with the amount of rookies that are playing and playing um, impactful snaps around the league, not just for us, but around the league. And we need our young players to come in and be ready to play and able to play. And, and so I think that that's an important piece of it for us here, that these interviews, uh, we, really, we really get to the bottom of who these, who these players are, not just as players, but who they are as, as people um, and, and their DNA. Uh, yeah, not yet. Um, open to it at some point, but uh, I thought Coach Washington did a, did a great job, and happy for him and his family. He's going to do a great job in Chicago, and um, that's part of, part of it, right? And and so, uh, but not yet. Um, yeah, I mean, it's always, it's never easy to lose your last game of the season, right? And when you're in the playoffs, you, you're, you're at a risk of doing that, right? So unless you win the Super Bowl, there's only one team that does. So um, you try and keep perspective is, is the thing I've tried to do uh, or tr tried to learn um, the older I've gotten. And um, I think perspective is important. But then also 
um, again, you, you, you go back and you look and you, you take an objective approach to, to everything, you know, and, and, and you turn over every stone to make sure that we're doing things right. Um, we're putting ourselves in the best position, you know, coaching-wise, personnel-wise, training-wise, weightlifting-wise, whatever it is, to, to win and, and win the world championship. That's what we're here for. Outside perspective. On the season ending, like, are you leaning on other people for that outside perspective of, well, only one team is going to go the way, or is that kind of a more internal conversation? Well, I mean, most of it's internal because that's where the <clears throat> that's where the that's where the convert most of the conversations take place uh, when you're saying. Go ahead. For myself. Well, I mean, I've, I, you start with yourself and you say, hey, you know, what can I do better? What, what did I do well? Um, and you ask every coach to do that and every player to do that. And then, um, and then you try and look back holistically at, hey, what, what went well, right? What didn't go well? What, what do we need to change? Or what, is a, uh, what was just kind of random occurrence, right? And so, um, you know, then you do look outside and you say, hey, who, who's out there that's gone through maybe some of, the, some of what we're going through? Um, you, you use other professional sports coaches in this case, right? Of hey, um, you know, maybe they've been in our shoes, maybe they've been in my shoes before, and can share some wisdom and some advice. So you're always trying to learn and grow. Oh man, you're testing my memory now. Um, I just think overall the process with Josh. Um, he just stood out from a, and I'll go back to if I could to our visit with him even right. Um, he had, he drove, I think it was like an hour and a half or two hours to make the appointment for us um, at dinner, because he was he had just flown from flown back from somewhere else and um, I think that just that that act showed how important the process was to him. Uh, which spoke volumes about who he was as a person at the time, right? Hey, being on time, going out of his way to be at that dinner as close to on time as he could, I think was a great start for him because, it, again, this is as much about who these players are as people. Most of them, if not all of them, have this skill, right? It's more so for me who they are as people. and. Watching Josh go through that interview process, it wasn't easy, um, but just some of the intangibles that that shone through, I thought were uh, were some of what separated him. In your position, when you were trying to find that train driver, were there any certain traits that you were looking for when you sat down with him? Someone that was going to match the the fit and the culture of, of Buffalo. Uh, that was a big thing for me. Um, you can see on film, Josh could make the throws. He had the arm strength. He had the size. He had the measurables. Um, as we sat there with him, it was mostly the intangibles as well as the mental. How quickly could he process information? Um, I think that's that's certainly important when you're playing the quarterback position. Speaking of fit and culture, what has Gabe Davis meant as a young guy who became a captain and with his pending possible free agency? Yeah. What would it mean to be able to get him back if that could work for him? Yeah, uh, Gabe was a great addition for our team. Um, just to be able to get a player in person to like that years ago through the draft process and watching Gabe on film 
over the years and then watching him get into our building and develop and grow and, and have an impact on our team on the field but also um, off the field as well. It's just he's an incredible human being. Um, he's done a phenomenal job for our team and um, for him to, to be voted captain this year I think really sp uh, speaks volume of, of his impact on our team. I think working with the defense this past year, I've always been involved with the defense, but not to the extent I was this year. Um, you know, and so when I think the the advantage I got out of that was I know these players, I know I know the the meeting schedule, I know how this whole thing has worked, and so um, just having a to me a like to the detail feel for the defensive players. Um, not going to have that with everyone, right? But but I think that that'll serve us well moving forward. And then, um, you know, just overall trying to do what's best. You have to know your own roster. That's important, right? You've got to know that in order for you to make the necessary uh, adjustments moving forward or acquiring certain players because it fits together like a puzzle. We've, we've said that before. And um, knowing your own roster, that also affects – you know, re-signing some of our own free agents, if, if that's possible as well. So um, how you put whatever value you put on those players has got to be the right value, and, uh, and that's just as important as anything. Uh, yeah, awfully weird. Um, I mean, he's when you think of the New England Patriots, that's who you think of Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick. Um, the two names that come to my mind at least. And so um, they've had so much success there, both of them, over the years. And uh, and so it'll be new. Um, certainly wish Coach well, and I'm sure he'll be back at it uh, before before too long here. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be a little bit different, yeah. Uh, everyone's different. I think you have to always embrace that, that each player is going to bring their own set of skills and intangibles to the equation, to the position. But having said that, I also think that when, you're, when you've been able to be around a Brian Dawkins and, and coach a Brian Dawkins, you, you take that ex what you learn from that experience and say, hey, this is, this is kind of the height, this is kind of the weight, this is kind of the skill set that, that, that I'm looking for. Uh, in that position, and not that you're going to be able to totally replicate Brian Dawkins. I'm not uh, suggesting that at all, but no different when you're when you're able to coach uh, a Luke Keekley or a Thomas Davis, and and uh, and the and just you know you just learn from those experiences, and you're fortunate as a coach to be around players like that, and you're saying, okay, if I could take two two out of the three main traits that th that each one of those guys had, um, so you're using that to your advantage um, to when you're looking and evaluating players to uh, to say, hey, I'd love to have that because that is a critical factor at that position. So in the scouting world, you take, you can evaluate a lot of different traits, right? But you try and prioritize what's important, the top three things at each position because when you're going into it, you're not going to find, at least 
you know, down lower in the rounds, you're not going to find all five that you want. So what are the three most important ones or the two most important ones? Um, and so I think, I think that's important that you know what's important to you as you're looking to f acquire that skill. It, it absolutely is. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I've got young kids that are playing sports now that their coaches are, are I hear the co their coaches talking to them about body language, and I think that's huge um, because it's just as important as anything when you're out there. Um, we talk a lot about it in our building, and um, you're, you're, through your body language, you're either adding to us or you're taking away from our environment, like minute to minute. And I'm judging some of your body languages right now. So some of you are bored, some of you are into this, some of you aren't, right? So, um, no, I think it, it's huge. Well, you know, there were certainly some things uh, that that we can do better this this from this past season, uh, Atlanta on special teams, and uh, and coach and I talked about that. And I think, you know, you go back through this year, but then you also go back to coach's first season, uh, where the numbers were better. And so, um, through two seasons, we've had one that I thought was pretty good, and then one where I thought we could have done some better things, some things better there. And, and he embraces that and. And so I know he's committed to to getting us back to where we were, and um, and so you know we've got to build it too to to help him, right? We've got to make sure he's got what he needs as well. And so uh, I know that that's where the focus is right now. Well, I just felt like overall in year two, uh, overall in year one, we didn't have the kind of the negative splash plays, I'll call them, right? Like we did in year two, starting with game one. So we got to get that out of our game to begin with, and I think that's a good place to start. That's good? All right, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Sean McDermott going long to one of his comments. We will not discuss Bulldogs' body language during some portions of that uh, press conference. We will not, we will not divulge <laughs> what the body language. <laughs> some of you are bored. Some of you are Bulldog. About five minutes ago. Um, okay. Take anything from that, let us know. We'd be interested in knowing if you did. 803-0550 to join us. Mike Schoep and the Bulldog WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle. 
vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 